Hello and welcome to your weekly witch fix. I'm Sarah and today we'll be looking at Circle of Three, So Mote It Be by Isabel Bird. Now this is the first book in the Circle of Three series and I'm given to understand that that series contains 15 books. Uh, I originally read this book myself when I was about 13 and I found it weirdly in the school library and I say weirdly because I went to a church school and this is so very obviously a witchy book that I don't really understand why it was there. I mean it's not like we didn't have things like Harry Potter but this just seems like a weird choice because it's not really a mainstream book in terms of its release. I've never met another person who's actually read it and it just seems weird that that is the kind of book that they will have picked to put in the school library. Anyway, so I took the copy that they had and to my knowledge never gave it back, which, I mean, if you're listening out there, I don't feel bad because you didn't have a proper system for logging people taking books out and that's on you. Anyway, I later then bought under my own steam the next two books in the series and by that point I was older, I was getting on for 16 and it kind of fell to the wayside as I started reading other things. But when I came to research Wayward, which I wrote on my undergraduate course, I had to read books that were similar in genre. And this one leapt to the forefront of my mind. So I purchased another copy, reread it, and I enjoyed it again as I had uh, when I was a teenager myself. And then I promptly lost that copy. So this is a review of my third copy of this book. It was originally published in 2001 by the Collins imprint under HarperCollins. And it's a relatively short read at just 248 pages. I read it yesterday afternoon. Maybe it was because I've read it before, but it only took a couple of hours to kind of tear through. It's written in a very simple and easy to read way. You don't have to kind of struggle through long paragraphs of description because it's aimed at teenagers, so it's mostly dialogue and it, it moves through the plot quite quickly. So the plot of the book is that there is a girl called Kate and the whole story is told through her perspective. Kate is a semi-popular basketball player in her American high school and she is in love with a guy called Scott who doesn't know that she exists. So you know, fairly cliche start to this one. She gets assigned uh, an essay topic on witchcraft persecution and when she's researching this in the school library, she just kind of grabs every book that they have that's about witchcraft. And in doing so, she picks up a basic kind of spell book, which are the kind that came out in the, the early 2000s, which are all very kind of like top 10 spells for teenage witches or various other sort of pop witchcraft. So she's sitting at home that night and she's reading through this book and she gets this idea to do a spell to make this guy notice her. And she thinks, eh, it probably won't work. It's just a bit of fun. But what if it did work? Wouldn't that be cool? So she performs the spell and lo and behold, the next day he asks her to the school dance. So she's really excited by this. She goes home. She casts another spell to get good grades on her chemistry exam the next day. And she gets a 98 out of 100 on that chemistry exam. And it's all going great. And all of her problems are soon solved. Oh, except for the fact that in asking her out, the guy broke up with his sort of girlfriend. And in getting a high grade on that chemistry exam, she reset the curve, causing her best friend and several other people in the class to fail the exam. It's at this point that Kate realises that maybe she shouldn't have played around with witchcraft without knowing anything about it. So to try and reverse the things that she's done, she seeks out other people who have taken the book out of the library. And in doing so, we meet the other two main characters of the series, 
Annie, who is um, an orphaned book lover and science nerd. And Cooper, who wears vinyl pants, is kind of a rock chick and whose grandmother was a witch, but became estranged from Cooper's mother because of that fact. And so Cooper doesn't really know a lot about witchcraft, aside from the fact that her gran was involved in it. The plot then basically centres on the three girls sharing their experiences of spells they did from the spell book and what went wrong and what sort of horrors were caused by it and then they kind of put their heads together and visit their local occult shop to try and find a way to fix what they've done and in the process they get closer obviously they form friendships and it's generally just quite a sweet little book what really drew me to it was the fact that obviously it's sort of wicker in in terms of the content and it's not like fantasy witchcraft because nothing super magical happens they just do rituals and then notice the results of them in the world around them and that's quite interesting i also like the way that they kind of jump in with this kind of pop witchcraft spell book and then they kind of come to the conclusion wait a minute hang on there's a lot more to this there's a lot of personal responsibility involved i shouldn't have done the things that i've done and we're going to try and be a bit more serious about it and learn which is kind of my experience with practicing wicca i got into it because of a magazine article that I read when I was like 12 that was like oh my god witchcraft is real and it's like 15 years later now and I know a lot more about it than I did from that first magazine article. The book kind of reminds me of the craft movie because obviously it has a high school setting, it has girls who are kind of from different backgrounds and different interests sort of brought together by witchcraft they go to an occult shop which has kind of a wise informative owner who's very kind to them and generally teaches them about witchcraft but in relation to the craft it is very much more fact-based in wicca or at least in like early 2000s explaining it to teenagers wicca and it does i think do a better job of portraying witchcraft and wicca as something that isn't kind of horror movie inspiring it's more just something that people do who are normal people and most of the rituals that they do in the book are done with you know just normal table salt ribbons candles things that you would find around the house they don't have like big ceremonial daggers and silver chalices and all that sort of nonsense it is very kind of focused in what you would experience if you were just getting into wicca yourself at home and you couldn't buy all of this fancy kit and you were just doing it with things that you could take from around the house so that really got me into the book and i really enjoyed it having said that obviously the book was written in 2001 so it is quite dated now there isn't a lot of internet usage or phones uh, there's a bit where the characters go to, to buy fabric and patterns to make their Halloween costumes, which I thought was quite alarmingly quaint. And so in general, it does feel a little bit dated in terms of some of the slang that they're using, but maybe not as dated as some of the other Teen Witch books that I've read. I wanted to do a little bit more research into the author because, as I said, I've read this book a number of times. This is the third copy that I've owned and I've never really looked at Isabel Bird the author and maybe who she was and whether she was herself a witch and I thought that'd be interesting to find out. What I found when I googled her was that Isabel Bird is not a real person. Isabel Bird is a pen name for Michael Thomas Ford who is a writer of lots of other books. Uh, he writes mostly um, gay fiction and he's also written a book about wicker for gay men which I thought I'd mentioned in case 
there's only one listening who would be interested in reading that and it's called the path of the green man i haven't read it so i can't attest to its quality or content but if you give it a go let me know how you got on he also writes the sickening adventures series which is sort of vintage mystery novels in the style of sort of indiana jones type plots which star drag queens uh, from rupaul's drag race which i also happen to watch in sort of a weird coincidence so it was kind of strange to find out that by reading this book i had sort of predated and also subsequently gone back into some of my interests um with regards to drag and drag queens so that was quite interesting uh, the book, as I said, was published quite a while ago. The copy that just got sent to me is actually removed stock from the Enfield Public Library. So sorry if you live in Enfield. I don't think you can take this out anymore. But because of this, copies are available on eBay for about £2 per book. You can buy all of the books as Kindle eBooks. They range in price between 2 and 4 to £5. Pounds. If you want to buy the paperbacks, similarly they're available on Amazon, mostly used, I don't think there are any new copies, and they are on Amazon for the standard one penny plus two to three pounds delivery charge. So about the same as you would find on eBay, so it's really up to you where you want to buy them from. I'm going to read you now a short extract which is from a point in the book about page 100 so nearly halfway through but it's when Kate has gone to Annie to find out what Annie got up to with the witchcraft book and to see if she can help her and they're trying to work out a way to reverse the spells that Kate has done. that much about witchcraft Annie said but what I have learned is that you have to be careful this is not something to play with all sorts of things could happen like mice and random 97s in chemistry said Kate exactly said Annie picking up the book I haven't done any of the spells in here since mine backfired well I can't just wait for my problems to go away or call a plumber or an exterminator to fix them Kate said I need to do something there's got to be a spell in there for what will fix all of this Annie began flipping through the book. I swore I wouldn't try any of this again, she said, but let's see what's in here. She flipped through the pages, looking at the spells and rejecting each one. Watching her, Kate got more and more anxious. Annie was her only hope, and if she couldn't find something that would help, Kate didn't know what she would do. But then Annie looked up at her. This might just do it, she said. What is it? asked Kate excitedly. Well, it's not exactly what you're looking for, Annie said. It's a ritual for reversing bad luck, but... I think it can be reworked a little to fit the occasion. Sounds good to me, said Kate. What do we need to do? We, said Annie. What do you mean, we? I thought you were going to help me, Kate said. I did help you, Annie said. I found the spell, but don't expect me to do anything else. Come on, said Kate. You've got to. I can do it myself, but if we both do it, it'll be even better. No, said Annie, shaking her head emphatically. Not after last time. It might get rid of the last of those mice, Kate said, trying to coax her into cooperating. Annie groaned. Fine, she said. I'll do the spell with you, but that's it. Kate clapped her hands together triumphantly. Great, what do we need? Annie consulted the book. The usual, sounding as if she'd done spells a thousand times. I think I have most of the things we need up here. 
She went over to her dresser and pulled open a drawer. There was all kinds of stuff inside. Annie pulled out a box of candles, some matches, a glass jar and what looked like a metal bowl. She put everything on the floor in the middle of the room. I need to get some things from the kitchen and check on Meg, she said. I'll be right back. While Annie was gone, Kate took the candles and arranged them in a circle, just as she'd done when performing her own spells. The metal bowl turned out to be a small cauldron with three legs. Kate put it in the centre of the circle because that's where it seemed to belong. She put the glass jar next to it. It was filled with some kind of powder, but Kate didn't know what it was. When Annie came back a few minutes later, she looked at Kate's handiwork. Perfect, she said. Now put this in the circle too. She handed Kate a box of salt, an empty bowl and a kitchen knife. Kate put the items next to the cauldron while Annie turned out the lights and closed the curtains. With the room almost completely dark, it was hard for Kate to see anything at all, but Annie seemed to know her way around, and a moment later she was standing in the circle of candles with Kate. Shall we cast the circle, she said. Cast the circle, Kate said. You mean light the candles? That's only part of it, Annie said. You really didn't read any of the book, did you? Not the first half, Kate said. I kind of skipped right to the spell part. That's half of your problem right there, Annie said. Now, watch me. Lead on, Mouse Queen, Kate said. Annie turned and faced the front of the house. Bending down, she lit one of the candles. Then she raised the knife, holding it with both hands and pointing out in front of her. East, she said. Creature of air, we ask that you come into our circle. What are you doing? Whispered Kate as Annie paused. I'm calling the directions. We invite them to the circle. Are they here? asked Kate. She had no idea what Annie was talking about. This was the first she'd ever heard about inviting anyone or anything into the circle. Just listen, Annie said. Try to envision the elements as I call them. It's supposed to help. Kate shut her eyes and thought about air. She imagined winds surrounding her. She pictured herself floating in the sky, held up by invisible hands. She felt the wind on her face and beneath her body. It wasn't nearly as hard as she imagined it would be, and she was almost disappointed when Annie turned to her right and lit another candle. Do get in touch on Twitter at Witchfix or via email witchfixpodcast at gmail.com and I'll see you all in the next episode. Bye!